The views expressed in this program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of 94.9 CHRW. How you feeling, Miles? Oh, you look beautiful. You were screaming out different names in your sleep. Oh, I was having sexual nightmares. Who are the A&P gypsies? You look so different. I feel different, Miles. I, I've spent the past six months living like a wild animal. Really? That's right, Miles. All of us. All of us in the underground. We all live day to day on our cunning and our instinct. We're all a pack of wild animals. While you were being a pawn in capitalistic society, Erno's been teaching me the beauty of Karl Marx. Who's been teaching you? Erno. Oh. Miles, you absolutely must meet him. He's wonderful. Someday in a few months, he's going to lead the revolution and start a Marxist regime. Government by the workers and the downtrodden masses. Good morning, London. It is Thursday, April 17th, 2014. I'm Bob Metz, and this is Just Right on CHRW 94.9 FM, where we'll be with you from now till noon. It's not right wing. It's just right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be and welcome to our show today, where 519-661-3600 is the number to call. Or write us at feedback at justrightmedia.org. Robert not with us today, because he's busy on a couple of other Just Right projects for this week, and I think next week, too. So I thought I would take today's show and hog the whole hour for a single issue that I get asked a lot of questions about. And that's what I'd like to discuss today. And that is the College of Trade Barriers. And as you heard in the opening clip, you know, it's about a Marxist regime, government by the workers and the downtrodden masses versus being a pawn in a capitalist society. Well, that's pretty much what it is. And it should be called the College of Trade Barriers. That's what the College of Trades really is. That's why I'm calling it that. This coming Monday, April 21st at 7 p.m., Progressive Conservative MPP for the riding of Elgin, Middlesex, London, Jeff Urich will be holding a town hall meeting to discuss the college's, College of Trades at the St. Thomas Senior Center, 225 Chestnut Street, Chestnut Street St. Thomas. It'll be interesting to hear what comes of that meeting. Uh, you know, the leader of Jeff Urich's party is, of course, Tim Hudak. And the Toronto Star headline of April 8th reads, Tim Hudak says he would scrap the Ontario College of Trades. Now, do you believe that? Because I don't, not for a minute. I certainly do believe that the Ontario College of Trades should be scrapped, and all of the people who proposed it, implemented it, should be sitting in a jail cell at the very least. I, I regard this thing as both a criminal, though legal, and immoral, though practiced by government, piece of legislation and regulation. It is communism, or fascism, if you wish, by its own description and intent, and it has utterly no place in a free and democratic society. I, I find it hard to believe it's gone this far. And those are just some of the nice things I have to say about it. Those two subjects, the Ontario College of Trades and the latest Tory election promise to scrap it, are both scandals in their own right and are both the subjects that will occupy our whole hour today. But in order to put all the pieces together in a way that I hope will make it clearer to understand both the nature and the impact of just how ghastly a monstrosity this so-called college is, I have to first explain how it came into being 
and its effect on the people it targets. Then we'll get into the Tory promises to scrap the college and why you can't believe any Tory story. It's just not possible to make any of this stuff up. You know, it's just unbelievable what they're telling us. And then, of course, we'll get straight get it straight from the college horse's mouth, as I can convey to you the devil in their details. And you'll discover why the, why the Ontario College of Trades is far more than just a tax grab or a host of other things that it has been accurately but irrelevantly criticized for. It's a horror story. So here we go. Everything you ever wanted to know about Ontario's College of Trades, but nobody's telling you. About a year ago, the Ontario Liberal government, with the support of the NDP, established the Ontario College of Trades by legislation. The College of Trades, says Premier, uh, Liberal Premier Kathleen Wynne, quote, establishes trades as professional entities around the province by making sure skilled trades are certified to do the work they're performing. And that was from the Toronto Star. Overnight, that legislation made it compulsory for 150,000 Ontario tradespeople to working in 22 selected trades, including electricians, auto mechanics, sheet metal workers, and barbers, hairstylists, to do something they'd never had to do before, establish a certification as a member of the College of Trades. In effect, they're being forced to join an involuntary association, a union, which is the only... That's only the tip of the iceberg of this college nightmare, as we'll learn as we move on. Now, bear in mind that the province of Ontario already has about 45 similar regulatory colleges, which include doctors, teachers, and lawyers, like the College of Teachers, which is not a teacher's college and should also be abolished, and which was brought in by the PCs, by the way. But the College of Trades is now the largest of all the so-called colleges, operating on a $20 million per year budget, and having the most quote-unquote members. I don't know how legitimate a member is when you can just, you know, force them to join. I don't call that membership. The deadline is now fast approaching for all those affected tradespeople to become a member of the college or, and get this, they'll have to cease working entirely, even if they are masters in their field or experts at their craft. They must all certify for the first time ever, and apparently for many, that literally means going back to school for four years and being unable to work legally in their profession until they qualify for that certification, which, by the way, cannot be guaranteed in any case, which you'll learn when you hear how the college works. It's just unbelievable. As of March 21st past, only about 10% of those required to do so had registered with only two weeks to go to the deadline, which was April 8th. And then July is another deadline coming up. Now, last week on uh, Wednesday, I listened carefully to and recorded comments of several open line callers and studio guests on CJBK's Andy Utman show over, over at that station, tradespeople directly affected by the College of Trades. And some of their stories were downright heartbreaking. People are in tears over this, said Andy. And joining him on that show were Ontario Progressive Conservative, uh, Conservatives, pl- pardon, Garfield Dunlop and Jeff Urich both of whom were saying they would scrap the College of Trades. And they were also listening to the personal stories of some of the following callers. Um, More about them later. But here is a bit of what they heard, and I brought with me a bunch of stories that people told on the air. And I've got Peter's story, Doug's story, Don's story, Rich's story, Brian's story, Carrie's story. See how many of them I can get to here. One caller named Peter saw the college as an organization that will regulate different trades, carpentry being his field. 
The government will be regulating everything, he says. I carry multi-million dollar liability. I carry WSIB. I comply to building inspections, etc. I've been in the industry for over 30 years. Master carpenter, master trademan. The stuff I've learned for over 30 years, they're now saying, is null and void. I understand that people need to have the knowledge and need to be trained. But to say to someone who's been in the industry over 30 years, all your knowledge isn't worth anything because you don't have that little piece of paper... 90% of the carpentry and labor force is without certification. They want me to go back to school. I can't go back to school and relearn something that I know better than any of their teachers. Like, give me a break, he says. And he says if this goes through, he can't make his living in Ontario. He will have to leave the province. Then there's Doug's story. He said he called in to say uh, uh, that a complaint against the member of the colleges must be filed before a government inspector can enter the premises. The Colleges of Trade, he point out, is not a government organization. And he has an email from them saying they're a non-profit, non-governmental body. We have no vote or no say in this organization. Doug concluded that the College of Trades was just a money grab because he wasn't allowed a vote. I do not agree with a forced membership when I don't have a say. Well, that's interesting. Would he agree with forced membership if he did have a say? I don't know. Then there's Don's story. Don is a licensed electrician. One caller who did pay his dues signed up a month early. Instead of paying $60 for three years, now paying $120 for each year. I wanted to get a piece of paper that said everything was paid for, he said. There's no confirmation coming at all. I've called them. I was a 37th caller the sixth time I tried to call them. I wasn't getting through at all. It's just frustrating. How can I get through through to these people to talk to them? Will I get my license renewed? I don't even know. And then there's Rich's story. He says, I'm a member of the College of Trades, and who's going to regulate the tradesmen if the College of Trades goes? He's worried. Now, this is a guy who's in in support. And uh, he was told, well, it's the Ministry of Training and Colleges and Universities and and the Ministry of Labor. They're already in place. To which uh, Rich replied, he says, that's the biggest thing with these people. They all have to do their jobs. And he complained about the Cisco plant in Woodstock was bringing out-of-country workers to do pipe welding and pipe, pipe fitting. It was identified to the colleges of trades, pictures and evidence, and they did nothing. I don't think any tradesman has a problem paying the dues, he says, if what they're paying for actually goes to something. (laughs) What is it this guy wanted it to go go to? To get rid of the competition and labor, of course, which is the purpose of the whole thing. Then there's Brian's story. Brian says, last June I went to renew my plumber's license for 27 years and went to the office at 217 York, but they moved. So I was told to go to Commissioner's Road, but no, you have to go online to register. I waited for 45 minutes on the phone to talk to someone from COT and asked, what do I get for my money? And they said, well, you know, you become a member of an exclusive club and all this. And he said, I was so frustrated after three hours wasted trying to talk to someone there, I gave up. I didn't bother registering. My employer hasn't heard from the COT. No one's got any information on what this is. Well, it's the exclusivity of having to ask permission to earn a living and then pay for the simple right to do so. That's what it is. One caller (laughs) called in to say his son had all the necessary papers and found out they weren't worth anything at all to, to the employer except to open the door. But after that, they weren't worth a thing. 
Then there was Pete Wilson's story as told by his wife, Carrie Wilson, who was in the studio. And she said her husband earns a good living in their home renovations building. And here comes a liberal government with new rules that we may have to leave the province, she said. It's an unelected and unaccountable body. Her husband, Peter, has passed hundreds and hundreds of inspections over the past 30 years, and he never failed one, she said. The College of Trades said it would not grandfather any trades. You can't just take away all of these 49-year-old people with established moderate businesses and just say, now we're changing all the rules and you don't qualify anymore, goodbye. How do we pay our mortgage? We've tried to be responsible, carried insurance. It didn't occur to us that an unelected, unaccountable panel of three could someday tell my husband, you can't do what you do anymore in this province. So, what do we do? And that was from Carrie Wilson. And then she asked... Uh, an interesting question. As I mentioned earlier, uh, PCs, uh, MPPs, Gar- Garfield Dunlop and Jeff Urich were on the line listening. And then Carrie Wilson asked a question. Remember, these guys are promising to get rid of this thing. Then she asked a question that sounded kind of friendly on the surface, but I have to wonder whether it was calculated to torpedo the PC campaign or was she sincere? It was hard to tell. Directing her question to Jeff Urich, Carrie asked the following. A couple of people have brought a concern to my attention, and I asked you about it, and you had a great answer, Jeff. A couple of fellows have said, well, the college is run by a bunch of Ontario progressive conservatives, and when they get in power, they're not going to turn on their colleagues. Can you answer that, she asked. (laughs) i got to tell you, my jaw just about dropped on the floor. He He had a great answer to that? Well, let the fun begin. When we return on the other side of our break, we'll learn his answer and we'll hear the real Tory story regarding the College of Trades. It's a story of hypocrisy, deceit, misrepresentation, contradiction, and just plain BS coming from the people who are promising that they'll do something about it. And then you'll understand why I don't believe for a moment that the PCs will actually abolish the College of Trades. Hello, 47, this is 86. Well, all we know so far is that the counterfeit money is being smuggled into the country, hidden somewhere, then picked up by chaos agents who are using it to finance their operations and disrupt our economy. You think you may have a clue? Well, hold on a second till I find a pencil. A6, I think they're onto me. About that, what's the clue? Oh. How do you spell that? 47? 47? 47? What happened? 47, the clue. What is the clue? Uh, in a minute, but do me a favor. Anything, 47, anything. This is important. As you know, I'm head negotiator for the new labor contract between control agents and control. You'll have to, you'll have to take my place, 86. Sure, sure thing, sure thing, 47, but first give me the clue. No, first you have to take the official oath. I have to be standing up when I give you the oath. Help me up. Now repeat after me. I, 86, hereby promise to act in good faith. I, 86, hereby promise to act in good faith. Are you sure we have to be standing for this? Oh, yes. Okay. As head negotiator for control agents. Ooh. Ah. 
as head negotiator for control agents, ooh, ah, in their battle for a more equitable contract with control. In their battle for a more equitable contract with control. Now, quick, 47, what's the clue? We forgot the secret handshake. <laughs> I now pronounce you the new head negotiator for the Guild of Surviving Control Agents. 47, the clue. What is the clue? Quick, before it's too late. The little red tractor that huffed and puffed. Agent 47, I solemnly promise to take over as union negotiator, and as soon as I have time to track down the vital clue you just gave me. And I just forgot. The little red tractor that huffed and puffed. Well, thank you, operator. Is that the only clue that Agent 47 left? Chief, as the new head negotiator for the Guild of Surviving Control Agents, I must warn you that in exactly 10 hours and 43 seconds, we are all going out on strike. Max, please. <laughs> little red tractor that huffed and puffed. Must be some kind of code, Chief. That's possible, 99. That's it, Chief. That's what? Red means communist. Tractor means farmer. Huff and puff means tired. What's that supposed to mean? I don't know. Find a tired communist farmer and ask him. <laughs> Just find a tired communist farmer. He might be a member of the College of Trades. Now, Ontario's Progressive Conservative Party chose Garfield Dunlop, MPP Simcoe North of 15 years, critic for skilled trades, as their guy to spearhead the party's campaign to get rid of the college. As I said before the break, he and fellow PC MPP Jeff Urick were on the Open Line show last week Wednesday listening to the sad stories of victims of the Ontario's College of Trades and assuring them their party would abolish the college. Now, just before the break, I mentioned Kerry Wilson's very embarrassing question, if you ask me, uh, to Jeff Urick. And again, that question was that someone told her that the college was run by a bunch of Ontario progressive conservatives. Is that true, and how will they react to this whole thing? Uh, you know, and here, just strange, what a great answer. He, he answers, the Liberals have hired past PC party members to work at the college. They're not running the college. They're employees of the college. The college is run by Pat Dillon, who runs the Working Families Coalition, which heavily campaigned against the PC party. When Tim Hudak gets in power, he's going to do what he says he's going to do. The College of Trades will be gone no matter who's working for the College of Trades. It will be gone. It is run by Pat Dillon. It's a liberal organization, and it needs to go. End quote. Well, sounds like a, an open and shut case, doesn't it? It's liberal, so it's got to go. Unlike the College of Teachers, which is the exact same thing, except that it's conservative. And when the PCs brought it in, teachers were protesting at that time as well. Haven't you ever wondered why there are so many qualified teachers now going unemployed today? Just employees, says Yurik. Then how do you explain this? From CNW, a PR Newswire company. You can check it out on www.newswire.ca. August 21st, 2013. The headline reads... 
David Tabushi to head Ontario College of Trades. Former cabinet minister appointed CEO of self-regulatory body, you know, there's a lie, overseeing skilled trades in Ontario. Gee, that's some employee, eh? I suppose you could say that it's true that Tabushi would be an employee in the college, the head of the College of Trades, no less. Uh, Tabushi, this is out of the, that article, who served as a progressive conservative MPP for Markham from 1995 until 2003, held a number of high-level cabinet posts in the Ontario government under Premiers Mike Harris and Ernie Eves. I am not anti-union. I'm not pro-union. I'm for trying to find some balance and accountability, not only for the public, but also the tradesmen, Tabushi said. Well, I suppose if Tabushi's not anti-union and not pro-union at the same time, the real question that begs asking is just, you know, what are you anti and what are you pro? Double negatives notwithstanding. How can you say you'll be accountable to both the public and the tradesmen? It's not metaphysically possible. No doubt he's not anti-public, nor is he pro-public, although he's supposed to be. He's not anti-tradesman, nor is he pro-tradesman. He's the head of a union-run private organization that's out to reduce the number of tradesmen in the province, and that's its mission. In that capacity, Tabushi is completely pro-union and anti-tradesman. From the same paper, Ron Johnson, chair of the Board of Governors of, of the Ontario College of Trades, announced David Tabushi brings a unique balance of both public and private sector experience as well as an understanding of how professional self-regulation rather than direct government control is better for tradespeople, for industry, and for the public. Now, if there's one thing that the College of Trade Barriers <laughs> is not, it's a professional self-regulating body, and it is direct government control. When they say self-regulating, they just mean that they're going to tax the people who are being regulated, and the rest of us might not have to pay taxes. I'm hoping that's what they mean. But even that is not what I consider self-regulating. Because this control is exercised through fascism, through the setting up of so-called private bodies, like the College of Trades, which are no such thing. Fascism is still government control, but people don't get it because they're philosophically disarmed about this. They count on the philosophical ignorance of the public and voters, which can be summed up instantly by a few simple economic definitions and distinctions, and we talk about them all the time on this show. Socialism and fascism are both the same thing. The only difference between the two are the way they look at property. Socialism is ownership and control of the property. Fascism is just control without the ownership, but with the same net effect. So that's all those things are. And this philosophy, you know, it's, it's, it's basically both philosophies of state force, physical force, guns and violence, and the whole ball game. And that philosophy that holds that economic choices and options should be made by the state, which means an economy based on an evil and immoral base. It is base in every sense of the word. Civilization itself is defined as a society in which the use of force outside of criminal justice is prohibited and retaliated against by the force of law. People and politicians who misuse that state force for unjust objectives that restrict freedom of choice and the individual's right to determine his own life, you know, they're criminals. Let's call them that. They're sociopaths. They've got no regard whatever of the personal destruction their economic theories and political lies cause to the majority of all the people in their jurisdictions. This, this form of government, socialism and communism and fascism, are not governance. They're forms of legalized criminality against life, liberty, and property. 
which we routinely acknowledge and enable with bromides and phrases like robbing Peter to pay Paul and a host of other self-incriminating admissions of guilt. Remember, the purpose of government is to redistribute wealth, proudly boasted past Ontario PC Premier Ernie Eves, one of the premiers under which David Tabushi, head of the College of Trades, worked under. A match made in Helvin. <laughs> I don't feel like a socialist, said Tabushi in response to a challenge of his role at the College of Trades. But do sociopathic politicians feel at all? Maybe he's not a socialist. Maybe he's a fascist. <laughs> Today's progressive conservative no longer believes that government should be run like a business, but that business should be run like a government. Both assertions are wrong, by the way, because the only difference between the two is how they relate to property, as I said before. And, of course, there's the third system, capitalism, the only system compatible with either, either freedom or democracy, and its approach is free markets, the free meaning free from the sociopaths, socialists, fascists, and communists who resort to the government to either steal from you or prevent you from competing with them. You need to be free from them. You need to be free from coercion, free from threats, free from having to ask permission to work, to act, free from violence. That's what the College of Trades is. When politicians resort to outright force to achieve some arbitrary goal for the benefit of some interest group that votes for them, fraud is a necessary means to sell the use of force. So then they start lying to us by saying things like, oh, we're doing this for safety concerns, or we're doing it to protect the consumer. From what? From a free market? Or from the outright most disgusting and insulting of all lies, we're doing it in the public interest? That's the true mark of a thug. By the way, the correct and proper term in a democratic context is the majority interest, but even that's a topic for another day, and people don't understand that. So just as Tabushi doesn't say he feels like a socialist, I don't feel like a capitalist. These things are not determined by feelings, but by actions and the consequences of those actions. So, back to Garfield Dunlop, who is leading the PC charge against the College of Trades and who was on the open line show I was listening to. And when he was asked what the positive vision of the college was, because it surely must have had one, right? He said, well, I think it's probably the name of the organization. The College of Trades. Many people think that the College of Trades is a place where you can take people and learn a trade. However, that's not the case at all. It's a regulatory and, and enforcement body and nothing but. Now, that was probably the only accurate statement made on that whole show, and yet that's not what the PCs are really targeting or concerned with. So we're going to take a break now, and when we return at the, after the bottom of the hour, we're going to hear more from the PCs and what the College of Trades says about itself and what it says it is. Back after this. Hello? Hello, is this the Chief of Control? Max, you know very well it is. Well, Chief of Control, as the new head negotiator for the Guild of Surviving Control Agents... I feel it is my duty to remind you that we go on strike at exactly midnight tonight. Unless, of course, certain demands are met. Especially in the areas of overtime, convalescence leaves, vacations with pay, and a summer clothing allowance for black and white shoe folds. I understand, Mr. Smart. Thank you for calling. Oh, Chief, one more thing. I have some new, very important developments on the chaos counterfeiting case. You have what, Max? Well, I can't tell you now, Chief. You'll have to call me back and ask for Agent 86. Max, why can't you simply tell me now? Because this is strictly a labor relations call. <laughs> Max!
Hold it. I think one of us has been shot. I think it's me. Where did you shoot me? Left chest. Good. Good? As a chaos agent, I get double indemnity for getting shot above the waist. Double indemnity for being shot only once? Not only that. If I'm shot and I don't die instantly, my family gets an additional 25% of suffering. Unbelievable. And if I survive my wounds, I get a guaranteed six weeks convalescence leave with pay. With pay? You've got to be putting me on. No, leave that. We get to stay free at any resort on our chaos credit card, American Plan. Three superb meals a day. Tennis. Golf. Bingo parties, dance lessons, and free funerals. Lucky devil. <laughs> There's someone who's got their priorities right up in the right place, eh? So continuing our, we're talking about Ontario's College of Trades and the conversation with uh, Garfield Dunlop, who was asked about the PCs who were running the college. And in the, in the midst of that conversation, he suggested, you know, you have to be out of your mind to actually think of compulsorily certifying the trade of carpentry in this province. It will cripple the construction industry, he said. Tens of thousands of people in the home building and renovation trades would have to go back to school. Well, you know, what would the Ontario PCs do about the College of Trades, Dunlop was asked? Just abolish it, right? Well... Here is the verbatim response, and I quote, quote, Well, if we can elect a majority government, and we hope that election comes this spring, I would suggest to you that one of the first items of business with Premier Hudak would be to abolish the College of Trades. <laughs> End quote. I'm thinking, what a strange cryptic choice of words. Still sounds promising, though, doesn't it? Well, it's a promise, I suppose, a PC promise. You know, getting a majority in the legislature by this spring, uh, by the way, that doesn't even seem to be remotely in the cards. But then get this. After all, after all the stuff we've been hearing about them talking about abolishing the College of Trades, another caller called in and asked Dunlop this question. Why didn't they just grandfather the College of Trades in? And Dunlop replied, and get this. You know, I think that makes so much sense. That would have made a lot of people a lot less leery of the College of Trades because there are so many people who could be grandfathered that are experts in different fields. It's a good idea. It's something that we've mentioned many, many times. <laughs> End quote. Now, I have to ask you, how can that possibly be a good idea or make so much sense or be something the PCs have mentioned many times when you've already admitted the College of Trades is a regulatory and enforcement body and nothing but? and that you're going to abolish it. How can one mind even go there? How can you entertain those two thoughts seriously in the same brain? Are there two people in there somewhere? I'm sure they're nice people, but I don't get it. What that tells me, and which is consistent with past PC ideology and practice, is that the PCs would favor the College of Trades or some other group that would be doing the same thing, but maybe not called the College of Trades, if only the trades already existing would be grandfathered in. 
because don't you know, PCs make better regulators. After all, they brought in the College of Teachers, the same kind of boondoggle, and the teachers complained then, just as the affected trades today are complaining. Dunlop again summarized the whole College of Trades fiasco as a communications disaster, which may have been intentional, he says. Because if you're going to do this, there should have been a consultation for many years with the tradespeople of Ontario. Instead, the government listened mainly to the big union leaders and went ahead without really telling anybody about it. I don't know about you folks, but that sounds like somebody who's really supportive of the College of Trades. And either way, even if they had these consultations, how would that change anything? It would still be fascist. It would still be destructive to the people it does affect. It's still immoral and evil. But it's such a good idea and makes so much sense. But hey, we promise you we'll abolish it by way of suggestion to Tim Hudak. If we get a majority this spring. (laughs) I got to tell you. It's funny, isn't it? Now, then there's the college itself. This gets even scarier than the PCs. You can go online and check out what they have to say at www.tcu.gov.on.ca and find the Ontario Ministry of Colleges and Trades. I mean, I think it'd be faster to just Google it. Now, here's what they say about themselves. Trades in Ontario. Um, Just quick facts first, Ontario currently has more than 600,000 certified workers in 156 trades. The college represents trades in four sectors, construction, industrial, motive, power, and services. There are 22 compulsory and 134 voluntary trades in Ontario. Now, the Ontario College of Trades says the same thing. It regulates that. Why join the college? This is them speaking. Quote, members have a competitive edge through the public register. Consumers will be confident that the members they're dealing with are certified to high industry standards. Qualified tradespeople have worked hard for their credentials. As a college, we'll protect and promote that competitive edge, end quote. What I always wanted to know is why any arguments of persuasion like why you should join are even being entertained given the whole membership process is outright a farce and fraud since membership is compulsory. You don't need to talk me into it. Just point the gun at my head and pull the trigger at least for 22 trades currently under fire. The rest will join later. So the real reason to join is not to have a competitive edge. It's so they won't come and fine you or put you in jail if you continue to try and earn a living without their permission. That's why you join a college. And then they write, In 2009, legislation was passed to establish the trades as a regulatory college that will modernize the province's apprenticeship and skilled trade system. The college will encourage more people to work in the trades and help the systems better serve employers, skilled trades people, apprentices, and consumers, end quote. Well, modernize is completely the wrong word to use here. The accurate word would be to make medieval, which is the literal truth of the matter, as we'll demonstrate in our final quarter. And they say the college will be implemented in phases, uh, no doubt to prevent a revolution. Protecting the public, one of the main responsibilities of the Ontario College of Trades, they say, is to ensure that individuals performing the skills of a compulsory trade have the training and certification required to legally practice this trade in Ontario. And then they have a complaints and discipline section. And they have a duty, they say, to protect the public interest, which we'll get back to in a moment if you even know what the public interest is. To that end, we've established a complaints and enforcement process that maintains high industry standards while protecting the public. 
The skilled trades, people, and, and apprentices of Ontario are professionals who are held to high standards of practice, blah, 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 and on they go with that. Members will be subject to inspections and investigations as part of the complaints, incidents, and enforcement processes. Now, here's the, here's the line that got me. Members as well as non-members may be subject to penalties, tickets, and charges, and fines for offenses. How do you like that? You don't have to even join. <laughs> you don't. <laughs> What's the point? Members have the right to hear and respond to all complaints. Maybe that's the point. If you're not a member, you can't complain back. I don't know. Uh, formerly made against them throughout the complaints, incidents, and enforcement process. Three committees will consider complaints. and ev- it's, it, oh, geez, it's just a monstrosity. Committee after committee after committee. But here's what they say the public interest is. The college is accountable to members of the public, like you. And I'm reading that and I'm going, what, like me? Are you kidding? I'm not a member. I don't pay dues. And yet this college is accountable to me and not to its members? What kind of, what kind of group is that? It says the college was established to regulate and govern its own members in the public interest. Govern? Nonsense. A governing body is a civilized body, and it doesn't resort to force <laughs> before anybody's done anything wrong. And then they say journey persons working in the compulsory trades and all apprentices are members of the Ontario College of Trades and must meet the standards of the college, etc., etc. I could go on with this. And then they have all the list of fines and offenses and how much it'll cost you. Um, I'm just looking here to see if I can see any dollars and cents. Oh, yeah, here it is. Um, but basically, they classify offenders and offenses totally differently. They've got an individual offense, an apprentice offense, an employer offense, uh, blah, blah, blah. Ticketing is done by way of provincial offenses. Well, that's interesting. And fines will range from $195 plus costs for individuals and $295 plus costs for employers. And they have all kinds of classes of membership fees. What's very interesting, and you can download a chart uh, called List of Apprenticeable Trades, Ontario College of Trades. It's a PDF uh, document on their site. And I'm just looking at this. Let me see here. Is this the construction sector? Oh, yeah, they have them all here. And what's fascinating is that you can see what they're doing here. They're basically monopolizing labor. They're telling everybody who can be in the practice and who can't, how many apprentices there can be, how many workers there can be, what the ratios can be, one-to-one. And then if you go over into the far right column, you get to see who is the, quote, resource, the sector council or the union that runs it all, and there's a list of all the unions. For example, Architectural Glass and Metal. That's run by the International Union of Painters and Allied uh, Trades Local 200. If you're a brick and stone mason, you've got to respond to the Ontario Masonry Contractors Association, a cement finisher to the masonry works, um, concrete. I mean, it just goes on and on. And and everything in the right-hand column is some union. United Association of Journeymen, International Union of Painters, International Union of, uh, oh, sorry, Seven Generations Education Institute. Don't know that one. International Association of Bridge, Structural, Ornamental, and Reinforcing reinforcing Iron Workers Local 765. It lists every direct local, everything. Uh, who gets to who gets to tell people who aren't in their locals and who aren't being regulated by them now that they are going to be regulated by the, these very unions through this Ontario Colleges of Trades by the PCs? <laughs> is this too funny, or is this just a nightmare? I I sit here and I look at it, 
and and it's just blowing me away. I don't know how something like that can exist, and why the why we're even talking about it. I tell you, um, we are living in an increasingly, increasingly communist, fascist country, and even the right to work is no longer a guarantee. And thanks to the PCs, I, I think they're the worst of the bunch. Let's take a break, and when we get back, we're going to explain exactly what these things really are in terms that are meaningful. Back after this. <laughs> Max, we've got to stop this insidious flow of counterfeit money. Now, take this book, go back to the store, and see what else you can find out. Right, Chief, but I'll have to hurry. In seven hours, every control agent lays down his gun and goes out on strike. I haven't forgotten, Max. Don't forget these, Max. Oh, thank you, 99. What are they? They're the signs we'll be carrying when we go out on strike. But they don't make any sense, Max. Of course not, 99. They're in code. <laughs> Hold it. You hold it. Okay, Chief, I'll take over. I'll just take this guy downtown. It's 12 midnight. Max, you let him get his gun back. Well, Chief, as a loyal member of the Guild for Surviving Control Agents, I go out on strike at exactly 12 midnight. I sympathize with you, Mr. Smart. You're not going to shoot us in cold blood. As Chief of Agents, you will make an excellent hostage. However, it will give chaos a great pleasure to rid itself of the troublesome Maxwell Smart once and for all. Are you ready, Mr. Smart? Just a minute. Chief, before I die, I'd like to make one last appeal and ask you to please sign this contract. All right, Max, anything you say. Is that a standard contract? What about free funerals? Free funerals? I've never heard of such a thing. Chief, how can you be so cheap? That man is going to kill me. All right, Max, free funerals. And four free weeks with pay after jumping from a moving train? Four weeks with pay, now that's out of line. Okay, Chief, okay. Goodbye. All right, Max, all right, I'll sign. Thank you, Chief. And now, if you don't mind, I'll just take that gun. Thank goodness that gun misfired, Max. Not misfired, Chief. No bullets. You knew that gun wouldn't fire? Max, I consider that a very underhanded way to get me to sign a new contract. <laughs> but a lot smarter than the way the College of Trades is doing it. The Guild for Surviving Control Agents is the make-believe union that represents the male agents at control, including Maxwell Smart of the 60s comedy spoof, Get Smart. But in the real world of Ontario today, the control agents are the people calling the shots at the College of Trades, while the Guild is the College of Trades itself, because that's what it is. They're building a gilded cage, a gilded prison for everyone who has to be a member. I picked up my dictionary to look up what a Guild was. And this is from Funk and Wagnall's Guild. In medieval times, an association of artisans or merchants formed for mutual aid, etc., <laughs> the etc., of course, being the main attraction. Guild socialism, definition is, an English theory of socialism that advocates ownership of all industry by the state, with guilds of workers exercising the powers of management and control. 
And that's from the dictionary. Now, change the word socialism to fascism and the word ownership to control, and you'll get smart. You'll have an excellent definition of what would more properly be called guild fascism, a theory of fascism that advocates control of all industry by the state with guilds of workers exercising the powers of management and control. That would be a more accurate definition, except that the fact that the guilds of workers are really union unions other, of other unions. So the Ontario College of Trades is guild fascism, all disguised to make it look like a private non-government body that has memberships, although all of it from top to bottom has been forced by the state. There's a ton of these things in the province. You, you hear about them all the time. Uh, for example, BIAs, Business Improvement Area, the Downtown Business Association. It's not a business association. It's exactly this. It works the same way. Nobody has a vote. Uh, Freedom Party fought like dozens of those things when they first came on the scene, and there's still stupid business people out there registering them and thinking it's a good thing to be a member because, of course, they want to beat the competition. That's what they're trying to do. You know, when Adolf Hitler outlawed the unions in Nazi Germany, he immediately replaced them with government guilds. Do you know that? To, To placate the unions. Beginning to connect the dots yet. Is any of this making sense? This is from Wikipedia. Guild socialism is a political movement advocating workers' control of industry through the medium of trade-related guilds in an implied contractual relationship with the public. It originated in the United Kingdom and was at its most influential in the first quarter of the 20th century. It was strongly associated with G.D.H. Cole and influenced by the ideas of William Morris. Well, there you go. There's that implied contractual relationship with the public, implied, which is not really existent, of course. The public interest, right? And it's interesting, in the history and development, as they cited here, guild socialism was partly inspired by the guilds of craftsmen and other skilled workers, which had existed in England during the Middle Ages. In 1906, Arthur Pentia published... Uh, restoration of the guild system, in which he opposed factory production and advocated a return to an earlier period of artisanal production organized through guilds. The following year, the Journal of New Age became an advocate of guild socialism, although in the context of modern industry rather than in the medieval setting favored by Penty. So, as you can see, these kinds of guilds are not a modern concept, as the College of Trades would say, but a medieval one, right out of England during the Middle Ages. And 1906 is Arthur Penty, who opposed factory production and advocated a return to an earlier period, earlier than 1906, no doubt. Sure sounds a lot like our current crop of politicians, especially within the Green Movement. So... Here's the weird part. Here's, here's how they sell them to you so that everybody thinks, well, the government's not involved. In 1914, S.G. Hobson, a leading contributor to the New Age, published National Guilds, an inquiry into the wage system and the way out. In this work, guilds were presented as an alternative to state control of industry and conventional trades union activity. Guilds, unlike the existing trade unions, would not confine their demands to matters of wages and conditions, but would seek to obtain control of industry for the workers whom they represented. Ultimately, industrial guilds would serve as the organs through which industry would be organized in a future socialist society, which is the one we live in now. The Guild Socialists stood for state ownership of industry combined with workers' control through delegation of authority to national guilds organized internally on democratic lines. 
about the state itself, they differed, some believing it would remain more or less in its existing form and others that it would be transformed. And it tells you, you can get into all this a whole history of, the, of how many people really would like to see this kind of medievalism come back. So, except for the misuse of the term socialism instead of fascism, which is really not essential to the greater obscenity of this whole thing, this Wikipedia definition of guild socialism is a letter-perfect description of the Ontario College of Trades. Most importantly, their description begins with... Guild socialism is a political movement. Um, you know, that's actually, that was actually the, the, the word painted, or the world rather, painted in the British TV series 1990, with which we opened last week's show. I don't know if you recall that. Had I known I would be covering this issue this week and what I found out, I may have opted to save that audio bite for today. Because in it, the speaker describes a world in which... Um, he says, uh, I live in a country where freedom is just a word in a dictionary. I live in a sceptered isle surrounded by barbed wire, by a British parliament of 400 put in by that 20% of the electorate who bothered to vote. It's a rubber stamp for a faceless civil service that has the kind of power that Genghis Khan would have envied, where the trade union movement connives with the bureaucrats in exchange for security and privilege and seats on the committees, where if you don't hold a union card, you starve. End quote. Well, welcome to Ontario's College of Trade Barriers. It's interesting that when he was asked, uh, Garfield Dunlops asked, when he was asked what was the original goal of the college, uh, he basically admitted, he said, it was put in place to keep the union leaders happy because of the pressures to change the apprenticeship to journeyman ratios in the province of Ontario back to one-to-one or one-to-two as in the rest of the country. In Ontario, apparently, it's one-to-three. So what they want to do is they want to get rid of one-third of apprentices, as far as I can tell from if that's the actual fact, right? And uh, he says when the pressure was put on, they wanted to deflect it to a new body. They created a new body called the College of Trades, which has become a money grab as well, he said. They keep the unions happy by keeping the number of apprenticeships in the province down. Uh, this is perfectly consistent with, with the Wynne government creating uh, unemployment in the province by, by upping the minimum wage several times, knowing that it would kill 20,000 jobs the first time, knowing it would kill about 10,000 jobs the second time. It, it's just, it's a criminal act. The whole thing's a criminal act. And the government, he says, sells it on the consumer protection, you know, protection from bad tradespeople. And he says, well, the government can't do anything about that. It just drives them underground, which is true. So here's, here's the final bottom line on this. Yeah, the so-called tax grab, there's a tax grab in there, but it's just the bullet. It's not the objective. The target is jobs. The real weapon is the unjust and criminal use of force, the compulsory nature of the whole scheme. The objective is to inhibit and restrict competition via an informal labor monopoly forced upon the non-unionized sector. And even, on, even some unions are getting forced into this, by the way. I guess it does, it's not just a one-dimensional uh, thing in that sense. But it's basically a union without representation, but with forced union dues in the form of your trade barrier fee, just like a BIA. It's a permission system in terms of labor. And its purpose? Well, yeah, it will keep the unions happy. 
Sid Ryan, uh, although some of them aren't, some of them aren't, but Sid Ryan said he's quite happy. He says that Wynne has the right mix, meaning that she's got the support of his union. By increasing unemployment, which was the objective and very successful of, at that, of the last two minimum wage increases, uh, you know, especially in light of their own admission of that whole thing, um, it just tells you that this is perfectly consistent with everything they're doing. And, you know, most people of good and goodwill simply can't imagine in their wildest fantasies that the political disasters of this nature are purposely and consciously and willfully carried out with these ends in mind. Literally. I want to put you out of work, okay? Okay, no problem, no problem, yeah, okay. You know, and I hear, hear some people go, oh, they just made a mistake, goes the common line. I just don't know why no one seems to be able to fix it. Well, the reason is because first... They have to want to fix it. Now, if a person who's evil, immoral, or just wrong decides to shoot you in the head with a gun and then successfully does it, it makes no sense to say that he made a mistake. You know, people say that. And, you know, I think about that open line caller Peter on the show. He says, I can't make my living doing this if he has to requalify under the College of Trades, under their new rules. He would have to leave the province to find employment. Well, He's surprised. He acts like, wow, I can't believe they're doing this to me. They can't, be, they can't be meaning to do that. No, Peter, that's the idea. They're after you. You're the target. And you can join all you want because if you join, you pay your dues. You have no guarantee under these ways that they apportion these apprenticeship ratios to journeyman ratios that you will even get that job that you think you're going to be able to keep because they call the shots no matter what. So that's the bottom line. You know, Don't be under any illusion that the college is being created for your own benefit or for any legitimate purpose. It's a complete criminal scam. And uh, it's just an obscenity. And we should not allow this to exist in our midst. And that's it for me. I don't want to talk about this horrible thing anymore. We'll be back again next week. So join us then when we continue our journey in the right direction. Until then, be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right, and be right back here. We'll see you. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be all right. Well, Max, the chaos agents involved are either dead or behind bars, and we've located the rest of the counterfeit money in those coin lockers at the bus depot. You forgot one thing, Chief. What's that? You came to terms with the GSCA. Yes, and don't think I'm not grateful. Now we can forget about unions and concentrate on the real problems of control. Not quite yet, Chief. What do you mean, Max? Well, Chief, as you know, female agents have problems, too. Some of them quite different from male agents. What are you trying to say, 99? Well, what she's trying to say, Chief, is that I have just been appointed head of the negotiating committee for all women control agents. No, you haven't. No, no. For example, Chief, take the little extra expenses that a girl has when she's trying to vamp an enemy agent. Oh, um, new hairdos and facials and gold-plated revolvers for evening. No, no. Yes, no, Chief, and how no. about the question of overtime for going around disguised as a man? I mean, what woman likes to be dressed no. as a man with smelly no. cigars and no. opening doors? No.